to Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jang. I'm Paula. We're back. <laughs> we were just saying it feels like forever since we've recorded, but I think it's just because we've been working from home and then changing how we're doing things. So much has gone on. Yeah, since four weeks ago. Yes, but we are back in the library. We have yes. you back in the library. Yeah, we're so happy to have people in the library again. We it's really wonderful. are. Yep. It's, yeah, lots of people happy to be here too, yes. which is great. So. Yes, we got a really lovely reaction from lots of people when we welcome them back in. Yeah, so yeah. we hope everyone is well and yeah. taking care of themselves. Yes. So. We know some people listen from outside of South Australia and even mm-hmm. outside of the country, so everyone's got different situations and we hope that you're okay where you are, wherever you're listening yeah. from. And a little reprieve... With this podcast That's episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this month we read Year of Wonders by Geraldine Brooks. Do you want to do the blur? Sure, I'll do the we'll blur. jump straight in. Sure, let's do it. Spring 1666. When the Great Plague reaches the quiet Derbyshire vis- village of Eam, the villagers make an extraordinary decision. They elect to isolate themselves in a fateful quarantine. So begins the Year of Wonders, seen through 18-year-old Anna Frith's eyes, as she confronts the loss of her family, the, dis- the disintegration of her community, and the lure of a dangerous and illicit love. Based on a true story, this novel explores love and learning, fear and fanaticism, and the struggles of 17th century science and religion to interpret the world at the cusp of the modern era. So that's the book. Yes. Geraldine Brooks. This was her, I think, uh, her first fiction novel. I think you're right. Published back in 2001. So it's not a new book at all. Um, But I remember when this was released and it was a big deal and lots and lots and lots of people read it. And I read it back then as well. Mm. Um, so this was her first fiction, but she had been writing non-fiction for a long time. So right, she she's a, a journalist, right? Journalist by trade. She's a, born in, in um, Sydney and grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney. And um, she, I, was, I read that her dad had a connection to Adelaide. Oh, really? Did you read that? Yeah, yeah. he ended up in Adelaide. He was a jazz musician, I oh. think, and somehow ended up in Adelaide at one point. Anyway, that's mm. beside the point, but yeah. <laughs> Um, and so she was a or is a journalist um, and spent a lot of time as a war correspondent in the Middle East as well. So some pretty hardcore um, experiences she would have right. seen w- during her time as a war correspondent. And I think that informed some of the um, yes. uh, characters and situations that yeah. she wrote in this book. Yes. Um, and she's also written March, which um, won a Pulitzer Prize when that came out and people of the book. So they're the three, she's written other books, but they're really well-known literature Mm. um, or literary fiction um, books that she's written. Um, So yeah, that's um, Geraldine and she lives in Martha's Vineyard now. Oh. Journalist husband. Nice. I know, Mm. Martha's Vineyard. Fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fascinating place. Um, So yeah. So the book starts off, Leaf Fall 1666 mm-hmm. is the first chapter. Yes. Um, and you don't say fall here, do you? You say no, autumn. you say autumn. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, but you learn that in that first chapter that Anna's mm. husband and her two children have died. Yes. That Eleanor Mumpelian, who is the rector's wife who Anna mm-hmm. works for, has died. Yes. And that the Bradfords, who are the village's wealthy uh, family, yeah. Um, have left during the plague yes. and then they come back to the complete yeah. scorn 
of the rector who of seems the, yeah. very, yeah, like a shell of a man. Yeah. So you know up front that something's happened and it's decimated this village and um, the rector has kind of um, become a hermit of mm. grief. Yes. Really. Um, so you know that and then you then you backtrack to... Right, then it um, goes back to spring 1665. So you get this yeah. glimpse of what's become and yeah. then it goes back to the year before. Yeah, that's right. Um, shall we jump through the plot just a little yeah, bit? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So you learn that Anna's had a very unhappy childhood. Um, her mother dies in childbirth, not with her, but with one of her younger mm-hmm. siblings, I think. Yeah. And then her father is an abusive alcoholic and yeah. he remarries a woman who's cold and uh, unkind to yes. Anna. Yes. Um, so that when a man named Sam... Um, shows interest in her. She's very happy to marry him. Mm. And I think she loves him as well. Yeah. he's a, he, She describes him as a simple yeah. sort of man. A basic kind of, you know, hard worker, yep. but not much between the ears, right. essentially. But she just loves him anyway, and she's happy to be taken yeah, away from she's, her. He's kind. Yes. Um, and doesn't beat her or yeah. any of those sorts of things. Like her father does. Yeah. Mm. And so she is about 17 yeah, or 18-ish. Right. Yeah. Um, when this is all happening. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so she had goes on to have two little boys with Sam. Mm. Um, and then he is killed in a mining accident. Um, so that happens all before the plague arrives. And the plague arrives, it's not It's not made super clear. It's just indicated that um, the plague arrived with a boarder that she takes on in her house, who's a tailor that's, you know, lived all over the world and very worldly. Mm. They develop a bit of a um, quite a formal relationship, but he becomes a bit of a father figure to the children. Yeah, especially her older child who's a like a toddler, I guess, yeah. Jamie, just absolutely loves this man who yeah. pay, plays with him and yeah. pays attention to him. Teaches him things and, yeah. and what have you. And he's, um, you know, they develop feelings for each other, you know, in a 1600s kind of a... Formal way. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, And we think that the plague arrived on a bolt of cloth that arrived from London for him to sew clothes with. Right. It was damp when it arrived and so he had to hang it out. Yeah. And yeah, it's come from London. Yes. Mm. So that's, so he's the first victim to fall sick, but they don't at the time realise that it's the plague. Right. The rector and his wife think it might be, but. Right, and before he does um, get sick, though, um, he and Anna confess feelings for each other when he... um, um, Embraces her around... Well, and also makes that beautiful dress for her. Yes, because he's a tailor. Yeah, Mm. so the future was looking hopeful Mm. and she was happy. Um, And you know very early on that um, Anna is um, clever... And yes, smart. That's right, because Eleanor Montpellier um, kind of takes her under her wing. Yeah, and teaches her things. Teaches her to read and learn her letters, as they say in the mm. book. Um, so you know that she is smart, and she wants to learn, and she wants to understand things, um, and that's why she's so drawn to George um, Vickers. Vickers, yeah, because that's he, the tailor. Yeah, because he um, is worldly and talks about things with her and yes yeah, so different from her um, yeah. husband her late husband yeah so yeah. you're very 
hopeful at the beginning of this. Yeah, you want that for her. Yeah, and you think, oh, this sounds lovely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, then he dies. Um, But then it's a little while later before the next deaths Right, and interesting that when he dies, he says to her, burn, burn, does he actually say the cloth or does he say burn everything, something like that, yeah, Yeah. and she isn't able to because the people who he promised and who had paid for, Mm. I think, um, garments come and grab, like, just won't listen, demand, yeah, Yeah. to have their things that they've paid for. Yes, so all of this infected clothing is Mm. then spread across the village, Yeah, Um, and that's when, you know the plague starts to really take its hold. Right. And as um, in that little blurb um, we described, the rector decides that for the good of all, that Mm. the community must quarantine itself so that the plague doesn't go out into other communities. Yeah. Because, of course, they don't understand how it's spread um, at this point in time. They don't understand that it's rats and and fleas and things like that. Mm. It's they don't they think it's God's will essentially. Right. But they understand that it's transmitted but not how. how. Yeah. Um so they isolate themselves the entire village. Um and it's probably worth mentioning that this is based on a true story. Yeah, I kind of it's so silly of me because I started reading this early in the month and then realized, oh no, I as we always say, I wait until yeah. later because I'm afraid I'm going to forget it. And in the meantime, I forgot that it was yeah. based on a true story until I looked up the name of um, Cucklet Delf, which is the place where they end up um, moving church to because oh, they yeah. realize yeah. that um, they can't be in a small room. Mm. I mean, that was so relatable. I know, wasn't it? <laughs> Social isolation. Yeah, in the that's 1600s. right. In the 1600s, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, so I looked up Cucklet Delft because when they first mm. mentioned it, they I didn't understand what they were talking about, and I, then I realized it's a real place. And oh, that's right. This is based yeah. on a true yeah story. Yeah. So. Um, the details about the real events are quite skint um, and I, th- I read a couple of interviews with Geraldine from way back when she wrote the book that um, she came across a, I think like a little um, directional sign type thing when she was in England that said, you know, like an arrow and plague village this yeah, way. I actually saw a picture of it when I oh. googled Cucklet Delph. Yeah. Cool. Mm, yeah, really cool. So there's um, not a lot of historical detail from the actual time other than some letters from the real rector um and then i think they did some study on it i don't know in the 1800 like a couple of hundred years Mm, later um and there's some questions about the historical accuracy of those um writings right so they do know that it happened they did isolate themselves there was a rector um who had a wife and two children um and I think it was four-fifths or two-thirds of the town or the village passed away. Mm, wow. So, which is similar to what happened, I think it's most of the village. Yeah, was it? Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. cute, like there was it's, hardly anyone left. Yeah. Um, so, really, that's the crux of the book to begin with. Right, but there are, I felt like there were lots of subplots throughout yes. that really keep, kept me, anyway, um, riveted Mm. to the story and i just thought i'd mention a few of them like um the plight of the servants who get chucked out when the bradfords take off so the bradfords just decide we're out of here and they just let everybody go at a moment's notice um and then people who had been like servants who had been born 
in the Bradford house. That's and right. Had worked. no a home of their own. That's right. Just devoted their whole lives to serving the Bradfords. And the Bradfords just said, yep, you're on your own. Yeah. And then what happens to them? Um, and then Anna using Poppy... What would you what would you say? The, it's like the a resin type thing that was made from, from poppy seeds. Yeah, to cope with her grief. Basically, yeah. she just got super high. <laughs> yeah. What is is that heroin or is that cocaine? Is that heroin? Uh, I'm not sure. I should have googled that before. <laughs> I don't but know. Anyway, but yeah, basically, but basically, she yeah addicted yeah. to drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Anna's growing friendship with Eleanor, mm. um, who confides this deep dark secret to her. Yes. Um, because about her marriage, the, yeah. yeah. Um, and the young girl whose family all dies, and mm-hmm. leaving her alone with this very valuable mine. Yes. And then they have to. They have this race against the clock to extract the lead from the mines so that she doesn't lose she the can, mine. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. She can still lay claim to that plot. Right. Um, yeah. And then, sorry, and no, no, just sorry. The, the crazy and unscrupulous behavior of Anna's father, who yeah. decides, oh. I'm going to start digging graves mm. um, and completely, like, I guess, just extort money and property out of people who just have no other choice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are just a few of the sort of subplots throughout that I just, yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah. And, I mean, I've said this a million times about historical fiction. The level of detail is just wonderful. Mm. And, you know, the language is very um, of its time as well like yeah I the language you know the way they speak to each other the terms they use I um, had to read this book with my phone next to me so yeah. I could constantly google what's a croft yes which is just a house right yeah things <laughs> like that and what's senite which is that's right a short form for seven nights so basically a yeah. Week. yeah yeah lots of little things like that and I really liked that um the, I mean there's some really broad themes for the book as well which I think the biggest one is probably God versus nature mm. and this period of time um, in history is one of, um, like it says in, in on the blurb, the cusp of the modern era. So this is a time where um, um, Puritan England and Puritan laws are disbanded and um, the Church of England is established and the monarchy is re-established and so things are changing. Mm. I think it's the year that they started building, not the year, but the era they started building microscopes and uh, understanding that um, things like the plague are not necessarily God's, God's will. wrath. Yeah. It's because of something in nature that's um, causing it. So mm. really interesting time. Mm. Yeah. And I think um, this was the last epidemic of the plague, I think. I mean, the bubonic plague is still exists yeah but i think this is the last big you know pandemic or yeah 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 um the writing in this i thought was just beautiful and i thought i'd read just this one mm-hmm. uh, little um bit because i just thought it was so beautifully written and so simply written yeah and um yeah it just really really got to me it was when um her babies are dying she's talking about her babies dying so she said my tom died as babies do gently and without complaint because they have been such a little time with us they seem to hold to life but weakly i used to wonder if it was so because the memory of heaven still lived within them so that in leaving here they do not fear death as we do 
who no longer know with certainty what, where it is our spirits go. This, I thought, must be the kindness that God does for them and for us, since he gives us so many infants, such a little while to bide with us. Oh, I just, uh, I bawled my eyes out, me Jane. Too. Me too. I, I was like, prop, not just like gentle tears. Like yeah. I was like, <gasps> like actual crying. It was whole, so heartbreaking. It was, yeah, it really was. It was um, beautifully written, very obviously emotive and... It was, she did such a great job of enabling me to, um, uh, what's the word? Um, empathise. Empathise mm. and identify, I mm. guess, with this woman that lived in 1666. You know, the same feelings. Yeah. You know, I've Maternal. Heard, yeah. Yeah, grief. And I was saying, I'm saying to my husband, because I read this well, well, well before I had children and I had wondered how I would go mm. with it this time compared to last time right. and I'm sure I didn't ball my face <laughs> off on the bed during any of it last right, time. the first time, right. No, but this time, oh my gosh, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah. The way she describes grief in this book is so acute and um, can really feel it. Mm, yeah, acute is the word. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite a graphic book. Yeah, I had that next to talk about. Yeah. So much brutality yes. and humiliation in medieval punishments. Yeah. Um, and that's this was the other thing about learning new words. So I learned words like branks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you Googled that one. It's, no, I didn't. It's also called a scold's bridle. Oh. Um, so here's the Wikipedia yeah. um, definition of it. The device was an iron muzzle in an iron framework that enclosed the head, a bridle bit about two inches by one inch, um, or sorry, that's five centimeters by two and a half centimeters in size, was slid into the mouth and either pressed down on top of the tongue as a compress or used to raise the tongue to lie flat on the wearer's palate. This prevented speaking and resulted in many unpleasant side effects for the wearer, including excessive salivation and fatigue in the mouth. And I actually... Oh, I don't want to say... Yeah, I did. Look at that. That's a picture. Um... I'm showing Jane a picture that mm. I got from Wikipedia of a woman with one of these mm. on her head um, and children sort of standing by watching. On oh, a little child weeping next to her and the the witch is the donkey. Yeah, this was the this the other thing was this cucking stool. So I had to look that up as well. It was also called a dunking ducking mm. stool. Um, and it was chairs into which the offender could be tied and exposed at her door or the site of the offense, and often then they would um, mm. It would be like uh, like a teeter totter plunged yeah. into water, yeah. and then brought up again. And they also used that system to test if a woman was a witch as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that didn't happen in this novel, but yes, no. that was one of the other. Um, yeah, I there was a particular scene um, when Anna talks about when her mother, I think it's when her mother died, and when her baby sister or brother is um, forcibly removed from her mother's womb. Oh, right. Which I – it's one of those things that I obviously read the first time and it's um, it's stuck in my head all these years and I, I think I forgot where it came from. But oh. every now and again I think, oh, God, that was such a hor- yeah, horrible thing to read. Yeah, because basically they took something that was used for like thatching. I can't remember what like they called it. It was a thing. hook type thing yeah. that they basically just jammed in there to get this baby out. Yeah, and – 
then I read it again. I was like, oh, that's right. Where I it came this from. Is, oh. This is where that came from. And like, it's just, you know, even the description of the the actual um, plague sufferers is right. just. Yes, the boils and the pus. The pus. So, oh, so gross. Really gross. Yeah, it's a very graphic book. So, mm. um, but historically accurate right. I think I mean obviously just condensed into you know however many pages the book is yeah but yeah I mean aren't you glad that you're not a woman yes particularly a woman I mean it just yeah. the and that's another theme amongst the book you know there is some talk about you know is this a feminist book um and I think Geraldine Brooks in some of her interviews has said that you know while it's not she doesn't turn, call it a feminist book she likes um she talked a little bit about how when she worked as a war correspondent in these um, in the Middle East in particular, in these um, war-torn countries and these horrible crises, she said it's the women that pick things up and have the strength to keep going and keep their families together and keep their children fed. and Right, and find strength within themselves yes. that they didn't necessarily know they had or, or were able to yes. exemplify or show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and she likes characters like that so that's why she wrote Anna in a um strong independently thinking um questioning way yeah and yeah and in a similar way she was kept down initially by her abusive father and there are a few times where she's confronted with her father who is as I said an abusive alcoholic and Mm. also um yeah threatens her with the school's bridal um breaks yeah. um yeah so you see that she's come from that place and when she's left him and with all of this going on and being a widow and then having to look after her you know mm. her children on her own and then herself yeah how she um picked she, it up and kept yeah, going yeah yeah mm. um now we need to talk about the ending right um the elephant in the room <laughs> what was that the elephant in the room <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there were lots of people. After I read mm. it, I did my thing and yeah. I went online to see what other people thought and heaps of people are not happy about the ending. People hated the ending so much that I saw a couple of reviews where they reviewed from page one to like page 255 and then <laughs> and said five, five stars, stars yeah. and then page 55 to 300 or whatever it is. The end, basically. No yeah. stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <people laughs> they did that as happy. two books. Um, and I totally forgot how it ended ah. and so when I got to that bit I was like what <laughs> yeah. what the hell right. what the hell is happening <laughs> I mean I guess we won't totally spoil it base, but we just oh. maybe say that the beginning the, the most of the book seems like literary fiction and then the yes. end seems like a Mills and Boone romance yes <laughs> oh but yeah and then to, I mean I'm just gonna say it okay you say it <laughs> you, you know we've got spoilers on yeah. this you know, so she ends up, so the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 pages, you know, Eleanor dies. That's very sad. Um, and then I don't know how what the time passage is, but eventually her and um, the rector um, have, well, it's not really an affair, but, you know, they yeah, become physical, physically related. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sounding like a Puritan. <laughs> they have sex, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and weren't you at that point? I was like, yeah, 
I'm into this. This could be good. Was, yeah. Part of me was like, oh, gosh, I feel like Anna's just – it's a bit single white female, a bit, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm Eleanor now. <laughs> but oh, right, then, right. I see what you mean. <laughs> but then I was like, yeah, this is, you know, obviously this is where that was headed. So they have sex. Um, and then he comes to her house, I think, again, and then he, like, sort of – divulges the secrets of his and Eleanor's marriage and it turns out to be a real dick. Yeah, super. Really? And, and there was, I just thought about it because to me it seemed there was absolutely no indication no. that that was the sort of man that he was, except for when that, there is a yes. woman. There is a girl who was a servant of Anna's, who um, her she loses her full whole family, and she used to be this Puritan. Yeah. Um, and she kind of goes off the deep end and ends up being, you know, like uh, going around with all the different men and, yeah. and and a drunk and everything, and they yeah. encounter her um, at one point with some guy on top of her, and yeah. Um, sorry, I should say the rector and Anna encounter mm. these two, and so the rector kind of mildly scolds the guy yeah, and sends off you go go yeah, home yeah yeah and then is just unleashes his wrath yeah, on yeah. this poor this girl religious zealousness yes on this poor girl yes and, and that, that was yeah. my only indication I was like, that was like oh yeah what's that about yeah and then it turns out that's how he really is you know he's questioning his faith after all of this um and then he comes to anna and is just divulg- divulges all this stuff the truth about their marriage, how they never consummated it um, because as of punishment for something that Eleanor had done, an indiscretion, you know, or a sin that she had committed earlier in, in her life. Um, and that was her penance, basically, was a non-real yes, marriage. Yes, now you can't have yeah. sex with your husband. Yeah, That's right. And and the way he said, oh, well, I just held back from doing that by envisioning her covered in boils and all everything yeah. coming out of her body being disgusting <laughs> and it's just so like weird. and anna's just like what i'm out of here yeah <laughs> and then of course the bradfords are back and the bradford mrs bradford is pregnant or trying to give birth to the, an illegitimate child and so anna um who has these skills now she goes to her and helps deliver the baby then she leaves the room and then comes back and finds um the Bradford daughter trying to drown this newborn baby That's in a right. bucket. And then she says, stop. It's all very dramatic. Mm. And then she takes the baby and they she says, I'll take the baby. Yep. I'll take her. And they give her money and off she just flees. And then she ends up on a ship and then she ends up in, I think, I looked up where it was. That yeah, she ended up on the that? Moroccan coast. Oh, okay. You know, living in a harem <laughs> with like five other wives and this, you know, wise, whatever his name is. Oh, yeah, the sultan or what, yeah. Yeah, what is he? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't the sultan. <laughs> was, I just made that up. But the dude. Yeah, the that guy. She was with. And so she, unbeknownst to her, by the time she arrives, she's pregnant with the rector's baby, but she's got this Bradford baby as well. And it, that all, all within the span of about <laughs> 40 pages, all of that happened. <laughs> like from the roll in the hay with the rector to ending up in the harem, 30 pages. Right. And I just... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Right. I. It kind of annoyed me because the tone changed so quickly. Yeah, people said it was like a different author wrote yeah. the end. And it did see, I didn't hate it though, like everybody else hated it. Was it was fine. It didn't it make just, me hate the rest of the book. No, 
No, like I didn't finish it and go, oh my God, I hated that ending. No. I just thought, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, harem. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what did you think overall? Yeah, overall, I really, I really loved it. Um, Look at you reading things. I know, from, from the 1600s. The aren't days. you proud of me? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I mean, one of the reasons we chose this was the parallels between our time now mm. and um, and then. Yes. And the isolation and... Um, yeah, I thought um, there were some interesting parallels with what we're going through today. Like when they're in that cucklet delf um, because they had to move their church outside. And she yeah. talks about them being three yards apart. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, social distancing. And yeah. I had to look up how far apart three yards is. And it's 2.7 meters. Ooh. So they were not taking any chances they were even being really further apart out. than us with our <laughs> 1.5 um but what did she i thought it was interesting at one point there um there's a woman who's going around pretending to be the ghost yes. of one of these witches yes offering people these like secret spells mm. Mm. um to um, you know rid themselves of the plague for yeah. money of course yeah and i thought oh, that was interesting how some of them i thought you know that's there was a correlation there between trump going on and saying you've if you take hydroxychloroquine yeah <laughs> and then some people did and died yeah yeah um, and yeah. people who are willing to try anything mm. and believe anything for salvation so basically yeah yeah the des that's a, that's a good word for this book you can feel the desperation and the grief and the trauma i trauma, guess of it all yeah it's a it's a full-on book I have some questions for you. Oh, God. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of how it started in 1666 and then mm -hmm. went back a year? Um, I don't know. I think I didn't. that didn't bother me. I liked – I didn't mind that because right. at least I knew – like I knew that everyone died already because I'd read it already. Mm. But – Knowing what I'm like, I like to be oh, prepared. You do. For <laughs> you do like that. I do like to be prepared for sadness. <laughs> so right. that was um, good to know. Right. Right. I still I thought, weeps like a baby. Yeah, well, so did anyway. I. Yeah, yeah, so did I. But I felt like the, the dramatic tension, the, the, the drama might have been um, – stronger for me if I mm -hmm. didn't know that going in like okay. because there's a point where Eleanor looks like she's gonna die from the plague um mm -hmm. and then she doesn't die from the plague yeah and th and that was surprising because you know that she does die and yeah. you assume that she's gonna die from the plague yes and I forgot how she died right and so when she recovered from what we thought was the plague right. I was like, oh I know I just thought the plague's gonna come then? back <laughs> How does she die then? Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I didn't like knowing that stuff mm. up front, but yeah. Each their own. That's you right. Know me, I like to know. Like well, to this was my other question for you. Mm -hmm. How you, who hates <laughs> when things happen to children and doesn't, you know, want mm. anything too like crazy, scary and <laughs> grotesque. How is this one of your favorite books? Um, I don't know. I think before I had children... I was a different reader right. and I could read all this sort of stuff. Oh, okay. So historically it is one of my favourite books because it didn't traumatise me as much as it probably did this time. <laughs> I don't know how because it's just so <laughs> brutal and graphic. Um, but it's also because it's the olden days. Right. But I empathised more greatly now this time yeah. with Anna mm. um, 
being a mother and yeah. being in a pandemic? Yeah, right. probably. Right. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated the, the writing so much more this time mm. as well. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. Right. And I've read so much more historical fiction since then. Right. Um, I would I would even hazard a guess that this is probably one of the first historical fiction books I read. Right. In 2001, how old was I? Um, like 20. Right. So up until then, God knows what I was reading. So maybe is this what brought you into You Love Books About the Plague? Maybe, yes. <gasps> this yes, was this the beginning first, of Jane's yeah. plague addiction. <laughs> this is my first plague book. <laughs> this was your gateway <laughs> plague book. <laughs> Exactly. Okay, my <laughs> other question for you is, um, it, on the cover it says, love like death overcomes, uh, sorry, love like death often comes unbidden. Mm-hmm. And then in the back it talks about the lure of a dangerous and illicit love. Yeah. So who are they referring to? I mean, one would assume that it's Montpellier. Okay. Um, you don't know that he's dangerous and illicit really. No, I didn't understand that. Yeah. I thought, are they talking about George Vickers? Because why is that dangerous and illicit? Deal. That was like great if they got together. Yeah, so that, that confused me. Love. If you know who the dangerous and illicit love is, would you like put us some make it? Yeah, what do you put a think? message? Yeah, what do you think on our that Facebook? Because I don't understand what that's about. Mm. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm really I glad. Did. I thought that you would. Thank you for bringing this book to me, Jane. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> now, we've got a big list of things. Yes, so Jane and I have talked about the fact that we've both read heaps of books and have lots of books to talk about this month. So We'll keep that short, though, I think, yes. don't you? We'll keep that to a bit of a one-liner. Yeah, so that this podcast isn't a million years long. Yeah, we all don't have time, do we? Do you want to start off with one? Sure. Um, so, I one of the ones that I read this month was The Lost Jewels by Kirsty Manning. Um, I've been looking forward to this book for ages. You love Kirsty Manning. I love Kirsty Manning. Um, and we had her hmm, a month ago. We had a virtual event with Kirsty Manning when she releases. So, The Lost Jewels, I think I talked about it um, on a couple of episodes ago about what it is about. So, I won't go too much into it. But it's basically basically inspired by a true story. Lost Jewels unfolds an incredible mystery of thievery, sacrifice and hope through generations of one family. So Kirsty always um, has her novels sort of bouncing back present day to uh, yep. some historical period. So this historical pe- period is 1912 when um, the Cheapside jewels are discovered in London. And so the, the story unfolds about, you know, where they came from, who, how did they get buried in this um, house why were they made? They're like just these – I looked them up. They're real. I mm. looked – I Googled the pictures of them. They're just – I can't even imagine just finding them in the ground. I know. It's a really fascinating story. It's a really interesting story. Um, it's um, historical fiction light, ah. I would say. It's different to something like Year of Wonders, which is heavy, hard going. Kirsty has a really good knack for, again, getting the reader to empathise and have um, – yeah, understand these historical women. They've always she's always got um, women protagonists. Um, really nicely written, easy to read, lovely, good one, really good. And I think I'm not sure that we've got her. No, we weren't able to record her session because That's she right. was in Victoria, I think, and Big it, storm. the storm. Yeah, yeah, so unfortunately, that webinar didn't get recorded. The audio didn't work. It did wasn't it? good, no. but it was really interesting. It was really interesting. I listened to that and I thought, yeah, that sounds. 
like an interesting read. Yeah, and she always has food in her books, and I love, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love gratuitous descriptions of food <laughs> in books. I don't know, it just brings it more alive. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I read, as I talked about last time too, um, that I was going to read Missing William Tyrrell by Carolyn Overington. Um, just heartbreakingly mm. sad and um, stunningly mysterious story and that goes into detail about the unique family situation of William Tyrrell and how this contributed to his story getting out there because mm-hmm. he was with his foster family at the time and they couldn't say that yeah. and the impact on the foster family and on his birth family yeah. and just how everybody suffered a suspect who um, you know got um, well put out there as a suspect how yeah. it wrecked his life um, and just the fact that somebody out there has got to know something about what happened to that little boy so yeah that is one that a, i will never hard. read yeah no, that, i don't blame um, you yeah a hard heartbreaking going. story it is, it and is. it's fairly fresh mm. in everyone's memory mm. you know even though it's what five years ago now yeah Ugh. yeah was it good though did you enjoy it, was, it well yeah it's one of those ones you can't say you enjoyed yeah. but yeah um, yeah speaking of books that you didn't enjoy <laughs> oh oh <laughs> Oh, that one that so, with the beautiful cover. Oh, it's just the most glorious looking book. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Um, <laughs> it's called The Mercies by Kieran Millwood Hargrave. So this is another one that I talked about um, a while ago when it was coming out. It's a Pan Mac book. Um, again, set in the 1600s, 1617. It's based on the true story of um, a storm that went, a very, very big storm that uh decimated um, a whole sort of village in um, Norway um, or an island in Norway called Vardo and it basically killed all the men in the village except for the little boys and the the elders in the village because they're all out fishing when this storm went through, destroyed all the fishing boats so now it's an island of women. So really that's the precursor. We wanted to like that book, that sounded I did like it, I I did like it, Mm. it was just... um, a bit slow in parts, okay. I think. Um, but it was very – I can't believe how many books I've read that are based on islands <laughs> where there's some sort of um, religious um, zealousness, right. I guess, and then a smattering of witchcraft. <laughs> right. You know, and there I was do witchcraft love in, in Year of Wonders too. Yeah. yeah. yeah or talk was. of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've read so many books like this. Like that right. one, I can't remember what it's called, the one that I hated. Um, uh, had the long orange plait on the front cover. Oh, right. I can't remember what that was I called I can't either. remember either. Mm. Um, it was good. It was really um, desolate and she did a really good description of this feeling of vast desolation on this windswept island and cold and muddy and mm. hard. and But it was a bit slow. Right. Yeah. Okay. But very pretty cover. Very pretty cover. <laughs> you went full on with the historical fiction. Oh, this yeah. Month. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, so in keeping with that, um, I also, well, I listened to The Bass Rock by Evie oh, Wilde on Libby. Great. Yeah. Um, this is a family saga gothic novel set in Scotland across centuries. So there's a storyline in the 1700s. Look at me I reading. <laughs> <laughs> and Pre- the next one I'm going to talk about. Twenty yeah. books. <laughs> I know. Um, 1700s, and then post World War II, and then present day. Mm-hmm. 
And the writing, again, really well written. And I love a Scottish accent. And as I said, <laughs> I listened to this. And yeah, so I was really um, enjoying that. It's unsettling and disturbing. And between Year Wonders and mm-hmm. this one, I was just completely emotionally exhausted yeah. by the horrendous way that women are yes. treated yes. historically. That is like this Mercy's book. It's just... By the end of it, I was like, I'm so tired of books where the women are right. just so badly treated. So badly. So this this one runs the gamut from murder and oppression to more sort of insidious injustices like gaslighting yeah. and silencing. Yeah. For some reason, the gaslighting just infuriates me. Yeah. Um, so, and it, there were the time shifts I found a bit confusing mm-hmm. at times. It was yeah. a bit difficult to keep track of. So... Yeah, um, really good writing. Lots of people are talking about this book, right? And lots of people are raving about it. Yeah, and have been for ages because that's right. only newly out. Yeah, a couple of months ago, maybe. Yeah, right. I've got one more to talk yes, about, please. and I loved this book. Ooh, so much! <gasps> it's called "The Spill" by Imbi Neem. She is an Australian writer, and this book won the Penguin Literary Prize. Um, it's only just out and we have her. That's right. That's why your name sounds familiar. So we've got MB um, for a virtual event um, this Coming month. Up. Yeah. Which is really exciting. Um, it's about um, sisters, I think. Hang on. I'm going to read the little blurby that I've got here because it articulates it so well. Do that. Sounds which good. is what, you know. The publisher's jobs are, isn't it? <laughs> the spill explores the cycles of love, loss and regret that can follow f- a family through years, moments of joy, things left unsaid and things misremembered. Above all, it's deeply moving portrait of two sisters falling apart and finding a way to fit back together again. I read this in like an evening. Wow. Wow. I know. I know. I devoured it. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, really well written Really, um, it flips between the two sisters through the whole um, story. Is it's it in its contemporary? Contemporary yeah. fiction. Um, although it bounces between, so it bounces between the two sisters, but then um, back in time, like to the 80s, 90s, 2000s, um, to significant events that happened to history, um, through their history rather, um, that caused this breakdown. Right. I guess. Um, one really unlikable character and one character that's um, frustrating but likable. Okay. I love – I just love this book. Oh, that sounds so good. And g- get on to our Facebook events because – Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so we'll excited wanna, to yeah, have Yeah, hear MB speak about that. Yeah. The covers um, – What's the word? Mm. Um, it's a beautiful looking book, but it's um, doesn't look like what it's about. Oh, okay, yeah, Do that I mean? cover doesn't totally appeal to me. Um, no, it looks like it's I don't know, I don't know. It's what like it a tidal like. wave. Yeah, but it's got a sort of a it's yeah, pretty weird but vibe it, to it. Yeah, mm. loved it. Loved it. Right, cool. I think this is her first. This is a debut novel oh, as well, and I think that she will be someone, someone to, to watch. Look out for. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to talk about Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. 
This was a fantastic premise based on the history of the Oxford Dictionary and um, <clears throat> how it was put together. It's a fictionalized account of the daughter of one of the lexicographers who's working on the dictionary, <clears throat> and that's in the 17th, or no, no 18th century, um, um, who grows up in the quote-unquote scriptorium, which is where the dictionary is being researched. Um, and it asks the question, who decides what words are included in the dictionary, why and how they are defined? And, and basically, it was the Oxford English Dictionary was put together exclusively, or the decisions about it um, was made were made exclusively by men. So yeah, it's just that's a really fascinating um, premise for a book. And also, um, we also had Pip for um, one of our webinars, and that one did get recorded. Yes. So if you have read the book and you want to hear from the author, or if that sounds like an interesting premise too, and you want to hear more from yeah. the author, then. Um, yeah, look on, we've got a YouTube page. I'll put the link in the notes um, yeah. so that you can find that, that um, was webinar. A great, it was a great um, talk with Pip and she's from Adelaide. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a brilliant talk and I really everybody, enjoyed it. everybody's talking about this book. Yes. And it's one, it's just flying off the shelves. Yep. So if that sounds like something you're into, yep. go for it. Yep. Now, should we talk a little bit about newsy things yes let's do that go yeah. for it okay you've got a big list i've only got one thing. okay all right um i wanted to talk about the fact that jk rowling has put out a new children's book called the ichabog which i just love that i don't know why <laughs> the ichabog kind of reminds me of ichapod crane I yes guess. From yeah sleepy hollow yeah. yeah um that she that you can read right now online for free so she's releasing the chapters um over a period of time I'll put the link for that in the show notes as well, yeah. because um, obviously that's going to be super popular. And it's not, it's a book that she had written before Harry Potter and mm. she had sort of sitting in her wherever. Um, yeah. And yeah, and she's releasing that. So I know that we've got one particular listener who will be so into that. Well, that sounds mysterious. She, <laughs> she's a mad, keen Harry Potter fan. Okay. So she, yeah. Get onto that. Yeah. <laughs> Friend of Jane's, whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so normal people, yes. New Stan series. I think it's Stan, right? It's been out a few weeks. Um, so normal people by Sally Rooney. I don't know if you've seen the buzz about this. I have a bit. People are living for this series. I know, and they love the casting. Yes, I don't even know who those people are. No, I don't. The but cast, they but do look like what I had pictured. Yeah, normal. Right. Yeah. Although, actually, having said that. Marianne, is it Marianne? Whoever the female protagonist yeah. is is supposed to be kind of plain and the actual actress is super right. beautiful. Because yeah. I'm <laughs> sure there's no plain uh, actresses yeah. to choose <laughs> from even. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone's going on and on about how fabulous it is. I haven't tried it yet. Mm. I don't imagine you're going to because you didn't like the book. I wasn't a fan, but <laughs> I don't know. I might give it a try. Yeah, I might everyone's try. raving. I generally don't like watching things that I enjoyed. Right, because it so, might ruin it. Yeah, mm. but I might give it a go. Right. But that's something if you haven't heard and you did enjoy the book, mm. people are saying it's fabulous. And if you haven't heard, then you should join our Literary Anything <laughs> Facebook group because I did post about that. <laughs> so you can find all these things out. The other, another thing I posted about, which is that Monica Tan um, won the Chief Minister's Nonfiction Book Award for Stranger Country, which we were happy about yeah. because um, that was one of our podcast books. I think it was episode six. Yeah, so we good liked on that. Monica. Yeah. yeah, 
That was a good book. Mm. Um, and uh, continuing on about uh, awards, a couple of podcast books of our podcast books won um, ABS, which is the Australian Book Industry Award. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, The Weekend by yeah. Charlotte Wood won the Literary Fiction Award, and The Testaments won the International Book Award. Mm. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I'm going to talk about this book again. Okay, <laughs> do it. <laughs> about the spill. If you enjoyed The Weekend, this is the kind of book that you would ah. like to. It's very character driven. Yeah. Right. Seriously, just read. Jane loved it, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In other news, new Hunger Games prequel. It's called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yes. It's Um, a big book. Is it? I haven't seen it. It's pretty big. Oh, pretty big. We've got a review coming for that one. Right. Not from either of us. Oh, right. One of our our oh, peers yes. here has read it and is going to review it so we'll um get that review up somewhere somehow. yeah yeah and speaking of um that particular staff member's reviews she did a review of um pip williams dictionary of lost yes. words that's in our latest e-newsletter yeah so yeah look out for that suman's a great reader and yeah a good reviewer yes so she's one to um follow yes yeah. um we should have talked about last month, and we forgot to mention it, Hilary Mantle's final book in her trilogy, mm-hmm. The Mirror and the Light, is yeah. out. Um, so if you were reading Wolf Hall and you're into that trilogy, yeah. get onto that one. I want to read those, but they are just so enormous. It's a little off-putting, I agree. Yeah, because <laughs> I saw the last one. I was like, oh. And I heard uh, quite a few people say, oh, that's going to be my isolation uh, project yes. is to read those Hilary Mantle books. Right. I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't. No, you just... Baked. So big. <laughs> you baked instead. <laughs> Did your ISO baking. <laughs> and then also um, Lionel Shriver's got a new mm. book out. It's called The Motion of Body Through Space. And it's a send up of today's cult of exercise mm-hmm. is what they're saying, which that didn't immediately appeal to me, but it's Lionel Shriver. Yeah. So I'll probably read that. Yeah. I love Lionel Shriver. Yep. Get your dictionary ready <laughs> when you read her books. <laughs> the other book I wanted to mention, and Jane and I just briefly, briefly talked about this before we started the podcast, but this is not a new book, um, but it is in the news because it's called Bad Blood by John Carreyrou. Um, it was out in March of last year, but it tells the story of, of Elizabeth Holmes. And mm. I said to Jane, do you know who Elizabeth Holmes is? <laughs> And you have heard of her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am completely. I know. I'm obsessed with this yeah. story about Elizabeth Holmes. She's the disgraced entrepreneur of Theranos. Mm-hmm. If you don't know anything about it, just Google it, yeah. and then you'll, you'll be fascinated yeah. too, and you'll want to read this it's book. It's a deep dive on the internet. This one. It is yeah. so crazy, interesting, fascinating, and so the, a couple of reasons why um, it's in the news now is because uh, there's a trial. And it's um, coming up in August. I don't know how they'll handle that with the pandemic, but um, that's happening. Um, and there's a movie of the book Bad Blood that's coming out this year, which stars Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, is she going to be? Yeah, oh. Jennifer Lawrence is going to be Elizabeth Holmes. Wow, she'll have to change her voice and do that I weird deep know. voice. <laughs> that is the first thing. If you, like, yeah, Google it and then... Go onto YouTube, yeah. and the first thing you'll think is, "What is this deep voice that I can't even yeah. do it?" Like, and it's fake. It's fake. It's not even a real voice. I mean, it's crazy. She's created this whole persona, and, and she's got these deep. big blue eyes, yeah. she, and she doesn't blink. She just like it's walks the around. Strangest <laughs> story, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it is. I'm obsessed. Yeah, I did a <laughs> long internet 
yes dive on I that a while ago podcasts yeah. and everything it was yeah <laughs> now i'm not going to talk about too many things coming out mm. um i've just got two here that just piqued my interest a little bit one's from penguin it's called the kennedy curse i don't know this is another thing that i'm like the kennedy curse fascinates me yes so interesting. Uh, it says, across decades and generations, the Kennedys have been a family of charismatic characters. The Kennedy Curse is a revealing, fascinating account of America's most famous family, as told by the world's most trusted storyteller. Now, there are thousands of books about the Kennedys and the Kennedy Curse, but this one was interesting because it's been written by James Patterson. Oh. I know. He's been doing some weird stuff recently. Yes. I just watched... The um, documentary on Netflix about Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, yeah. And that is produced by James really? Patterson and he's in it. Yeah. Really? It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess so, you yeah, got to diversify, don't yeah, you? Yeah. I mean, I guess you can't keep <laughs> writing all those, pumping out all those, his oh. usual books. <laughs> <laughs> so that looks um, interesting. And the other one that um, sounded really good was uh, it's a Bloomsbury book by Richard Ford. Um, and it's short stories, I think. Sorry for your trouble. And I did a terrible <laughs> Canadian accent before. I'm not going to do that because he's Canadian. <laughs> Come on, Jane. Let's hear it. Come on. He's a Pulitzer. I'm just ignoring you. From the Pulitzer Prize winning author of The Sports Writer, which I don't know that book, um, comes a profound moving collection of stories about men, women and the gulfs that lie between them. Sorry for your trouble is a visionary collection of luminous landscapes, of great moments in small lives, of the people we carry with us long after they're gone. Ford takes disappointment, ageing, grief, love and marriage and silhouettes them against the heady backdrop of Irish America in the past and present. Oh, so he's Canadian, but it's in Ireland. No, Irish America. Oh, Irish America. Yeah. Oh, so, right. Okay. All right. Sounds interesting. Mm, it does. And that's it. Right. Now there's more obviously being published. Oh, but we, it's just, just <laughs> we just have so much. I feel I felt like yeah, we've just got so much to talk about this yeah, month. There's a big list, wasn't there? <laughs> now shall we talk about our yes read for? So excited! I'm about so month. excited about this too. <laughs> <laughs> next month we're going to read "My Friend Anna" by Rachel Deloche Williams. Hopefully, I said that right. Yep. I have a little blurb here. Do you want me to read it? Yes, please. How does it feel to be betrayed by your closest friend? A close friend who turns out to be the most prolific grifter in New York City. This is the true story of Anna Delvey, the fake heiress, whose dizzying deceit and elaborate con artistry deceived the Soho hipster scene before her ruse was finally and dramatically exposed. So good. It's going to be so good. And part of the reason why, because we looked at this book a couple of months mm, ago, didn't we? And we, we did, weren't yeah. sure if we were going to um, use it. Yeah. But then... I started listening to a podcast about it and found out that there's going to be a Netflix series called Inventing Anna, which stars Julia Garner. Do you know who that is? Yes. From Ozark. From Ozark. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought, perfect. Yeah. Um, and produced by Shonda Rhimes, who did Grey's Anatomy. Yes. And there's also going to be an HBO series produced by Lena Dunham, who's my oh, fave. Produced by well. Lena Dunham. Yeah. So I thought we got to do this one. Yeah. I'm... Excited about this. I've already done a bit of internet diving on this one. Right. It's fascinating. There's lots to talk about. It's like, yeah, yeah this and the other uh, bad blood are just yeah. really fascinating me yeah. right now. Really ticking that. That imposter yeah. box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of catfishy, fake. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Next month will be great. Yep. So look for that. Read along. Yes. Join us. It is hard to get, but we've got books coming. Yes. So, um, yeah, keep your eye on our catalogue. Yep. Um, if you don't see it immediately, you will see it very, very soon. Yes. Yeah. Okay. See you next month. Bye. Bye. Paula. How long have we been doing this? <laughs> How like, long has it been? Like two year. years. Is it only? Is it? It was January of last year, a year and a half. Yeah. Feels like forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Don't tell me you didn't press record. No, no, no. I didn't. <laughs>